This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit CanDoWealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Kate Andrews. So Parliament is back today. MPs are in Westminster. Kwasi Kwarteng is facing questions from his party and the opposition um, before he heads to the IMF. James, how much pressure is the Chancellor under? I mean, the Chancellor is under more pressure because the Bank of England has intervened again this morning to try and calm the gilts markets. For those keeping a score at home, that is the third intervention from them so far. They had the first intervention, they intervened again on Monday, they intervened now on Tuesday. And they're doing this because the cost of these government gilts is, is rising at a relatively rapid rate and the bank is trying to calm the market. Now, all of these operations that the bank is conducting are technically meant to end on Friday. There is, I think, deep scepticism in the city about whether they will be the bank will be able to end them on Friday and whether or not it will have to extend. The risk for the bank here is that if it extends people begin to think, well, actually, the bank is actually not to protect the financial system, but to keep the cost of government borrowing artificially low. And that runs the risk of something called fiscal dominance, when people begin to think that the bank isn't acting in the best interest of financial stability, but trying to protect the central government from its own decisions. And that will then lead to a substantial risk premium on borrowing to the UK and act as a deterrent to to investment here. I think that whatever happens, though, it is quite clear that the cost of government borrowing is going to end up being substantially higher than we have been used to. The IFS Green Budget that is out today, and I wouldn't, it's not relaxing reading, is saying that the UK government will be spending £103 billion on debt interest. That is more than we spend on education. And that is the highest as a percentage of national income since the 1940s. And I think what we're seeing here is that, you know, if you go back and read Kate Andrews' piece on trustonomics, the whole theory behind trustonomics was, two, was twofold. One was that tax cuts and reform would boost the economic growth rate. And the second is that you could borrow to fund that transition and the markets would be happy to lend to you at a fairly low rate. I think that that second point of it is, is in real trouble at the moment when, when you look at this. And I think the other problem with high debt interest payments is, as Kate points out in her, her blog this morning, you, you get nothing for them. So the government is going to be spending twice as much on death interest as the OBR expected it would in March, according to the IFS. And you won't get a single extra policeman for that, another doctor or a refurbished hospital. This is just like almost purely like negative money that the government is spending. It's spending money to stop a bad thing from happening. And I think that that is going to make a material difference to the public finances going forward. But these debt interest payments are going to be so much higher. Kate, according to the Institute for Fiscal Studies, ultimately Kwasi Kwarteng will have to cut spending by £60 billion per year by 2026 to 2027 to put the UK economy on a stable footing. Do you think we're heading, when it comes to that Halloween fiscal event, to a promise of mass public spending cuts? It's really hard to say because it's not obvious that even the Tory party would wear those spending cuts, let alone what the opposition would have to say, what the public would have to say, given where the Tories already are, are in the polls, and that is really very low. It's very difficult to see how Kwarteng stands up and starts to announce 
cuts to health, cuts to education, cuts to welfare. He has already suggested that health and defense would be ring-fenced, but it's it's really tricky politics, especially because while they have U-turned on the plan to abolish the 45p tax rate, we know that the government intended to do it, wanted to do it. Liz Truss has indicated that it's still not completely off of her agenda. So even though they've U-turned, the politics now is really tricky. It's very difficult to say, well, we were going to do this tax cut for the highest income earners, And now we're also planning on slashing potentially the benefits for the lowest. So it's tricky territory, but what are their other options? They could U-turn on their mini budget completely. That is very difficult to imagine because that is the trust economics project essentially out the window. You lose all political credibility. And would that restore confidence? Well, look, I don't think it would restore political confidence. I think she would find herself in, in the most difficult position to date. But what the markets are demanding is some indication that public spending is going to get under control. And if you try to account for the increasingly large holes that she's created in the budget by saying actually taxes will go up, in theory, you could you could calm the markets a bit. I, I'm not suggesting she is going to do this. I'm saying this is another option. The, the difficulty is none of these options really add up. They, I don't see how they play out. The third, of course, is to try to angle again to the markets that, you know, a little bit more borrowing might be okay, but we've already seen how markets have responded to that. We, we were amongst a pack of countries that were all experiencing higher borrowing rates and all experiencing interest rates going up as well. And the UK has made itself an outlier in that and all globalized are on us now. So so it's very difficult to see the borrowing case being made. And to be honest, Katie, we're, we're running out of options here. So this comes down to a question of, of what Quasi Quartang thinks he has to do on the 31st. Does he have to angle to his base, angle to voters, angle to the markets? I would say it has to be about the markets, but that means it's probably not going to be very politically pretty. James, Julian Smith, speaking in the Commons Chamber, has asked for reassurance from the government that tax cuts will not be balanced on the backs of the poorest people in the country. Now, this relates to the ongoing debate over benefits, whether they should rise in line with inflation or rise in line with wages. Where do you think this is falling? So I think right now it's very politically difficult for them to go ahead with what appears to be Liz Truss and Quasi Quartin's intention, which was to raise benefits only in line with earnings, not inflation. You know, We know that Penny Morden went on the record at Conservative Party conference, and it's also quite clear from what we've heard that Chloe Smith, Robert Buckland, and even Jacob Rees-Mogg think that they need to rise in line with inflation. But I think this leads you on, this on to a different question, which is this, which is, if benefits should rise in line with inflation, why shouldn't public sector pay rise in line with inflation. I mean, this is a big argument. Now, all of these departmental budgets assume low single-digit public sector pay increases. I find it very hard to believe that you can maintain that position, given how high inflation is and how high inflation is expected to remain for so long. You look at the threat of a nurse's strike, for example. And yet, if you offer higher pay rises, to nurses, teachers, members of the armed forces, that is more money out of these departmental budgets, which are already being eaten away by inflation. You've got the chief financial officer of the NHS talking about a £21 billion shortfall by the time of the end of this parliament and saying that if that isn't remedied, then you'd have to look at the whole gamut of what the NHS does in terms of cancer, mental health, primary care. And so I think this is, this is what is so difficult for the government, which is 
when George Osborne came in, he basically picked all of the low-hanging fruit, so changing the inflation metrics you use to uprate benefits and the like. I think it is much harder for Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng because it is really difficult to see what the low-hanging fruit is. And the political environment is very hard, as shown by the fact that it was a member of Liz Truss's own cabinet who kind of put the biggest dent in this attempt to um, uprate benefits only with, inf- with earnings, not inflation. But Penny Morden ultimately backs these tax cuts and also she apparently backs raising benefits in line with inflation, which, as you say, would then make the it's political cakeism, argument. Yeah. So what do you think this is, the best solution is, James? So, I mean, not to sound like the classic, you know, you wouldn't have started from here. Let's start from now. No. I, so, personally... You're quasi-quartang. You're giving the fiscal event on the 31st of October. What are you going to do? So, personally, I would be prepared to give up the cancellation of a corporation tax rise. Right. It's a big signal to the market that there is a substantial bit of more tax revenue coming in. I also think that the belief in the importance of corporation taxes is overstated. I think you then need to look at a commitment to raise public spending, which I think is what he's planning to do, at a slower rate than the growth rate of the economy. And I think that is going to require greater prioritisation. And I think so I think if you can do those things, you begin to be able to signal some confidence to the markets. I think that they, the, the problem they've got is they basically went first. And at the moment in the, in the bond market, it is an ugly baby contest. And you just do not want to put yourself out there in the spotlight. And that's what they've done. And I think I think if they can take some steps to pull themselves out of a spotlight, they would be that would be a sensible manoeuvre. Kate, you're quasi quartung. It's Halloween. What are you gonna do? Well, you've put me in an impossible situation, Katie, but I think I would dress up as a bond market. Also I think I would also reverse parts of the mini budget, but a different part from James. I think I would reverse the hike in national insurance, primarily because of the language that was used to get rid of that tax when Quartang stood up and basically said, look, we're going to roll back this NI hike, but the money is going to be there as if that tax were still implemented. I mean, the NHS is something in terms of like the medium term age demographics, all the rest of it, certainly in terms of the short term with the record high waiting list. It's it's something that's going to continue to demand more resources as long as it operates in the way that it has essentially since the late 1940s. So to suggest that you're going to be able to fund something that's just going to demand more resources with no tax hike or no meaningful change, I, I, I think will really spook the markets. And also, I would probably delay the cut to the basic rate of income tax. The plan for that was 2024. You could keep the promise but say we're not going to bring it in right away i don't see james scenario or my scenario happening however mm. and, and unless trust is really prepared no, don't, to don't worry i've not asked you for predictions i've asked no, you just, just, in, just in case there is a vacancy but i think there is i think there is an interesting point here though which is what are the markets expecting i had someone who is politically savvy in the city say to me today well surely they're now going to abandon the corporation tax cut because of the need to kind of show some of it, so to, to, to reassure the markets. And I think there is a there is a danger for the government that you've had the Prime Minister's official spokesman saying, no, there's going to be no return to austerity. These tax cuts are at the centre of the trust project. So, like, what do you do that reassures the market on the 31st? Because the government have brought this forward so that the fiscal event happens before the Bank of England meets to decide what to do about interest rates. And the aim is that, you know, the government, by taking, by what the government says on the, on Halloween, the banking will conclude that it needs to raise interest rates by less than it had 
previously been planning to do so. I think there is a danger that if you have another market take fright at a statement, you could be in a very, very different position. Katie, can I just jump in and say that I think all of this shows the extent to which trust and non-mix is proving to essentially be Boris Johnson's cakeism times 10 in the sense that these tax hikes in the first place were not desired and I, I think hugely misplaced in a way. But the point is the government was promising more and more, more money for the NHS, more money for social care, all the rest of it. And Trusts and Quartang hit the accelerator on all of this, the big promises and the big tax cuts. And it, it caught up with them really, really quickly. But I, I think at the heart of this, it's that the markets have ushered us into a new era or perhaps actually an old era where they say, if you want to be relatively reckless with your public finances, there's going to be, as James calls it, a risk premium. We are going to demand a better return to take the risk on essentially buying your government debt. And I'm not totally convinced come the 31st of October there's anything that this government's going to say that's going to restore fiscal credibility overnight. I think it's going to be a long process now to rebuild that trust. And just finally, James, as the Tories ultimately stare into the abyss for the time being, we have a situation where Labour looking ahead to the election. Keir Starmer had a call earlier with party staff where he said they're moving to an election footing. There's been a shake-up of the team. What are we learning? So Sam White is out. And I think that you can see here that Morgan McSweeney's power is is growing. And he, I think, is, I think, in very crude terms, is slightly the more new Labour end of things. And I think the other big development in Labour circles is that Sam Tarry, Corbynite, who lost his front bench job for turning up at a picket line and giving a bunch of unauthorised media interviews, lost his selection battle in his own seat last night. And I mean, that is seen as a sign of the fact that the power of the Corbynite left, even within CLPs, where it was very great, is definitely on the wane now. Thank you, James. Thank you, Kate. And thank you for listening.